Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Oh, Father in heaven, what just happened? <sighs> favored? Highly favored? <sighs> the Lord finds me, Mary, from the simple town of Nazareth, highly favored? <sighs> Who am I that I should receive such praise? <laughs> I've heard stories of the coming Messiah, our Savior, but I never dreamed I would come face to face with an angel. <sighs> as, as he started talking to me, I seriously thought, oh no, what on earth is happening? I, I must be dying or something. My hands were shaking, my knees felt weak. I seriously thought I might collapse. <laughs> and I guess I'm still just a little bit shaken up. But then, then he looked at me. And peace, like I never felt, overcame me. As he told me not to be afraid, I immediately trusted <laughs> that he was here for my good and that he was a messenger of the Most High God. He told me of all the miraculous things that would soon happen to me. And all I could say to him was, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. And now, he's gone. <laughs> I mean, I still don't understand all of this. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby? Even though I'm a virgin? When I asked him about this, he just said that the Holy Spirit would come over me and that his power would fall upon me and that I was going to conceive a son, the Son of God. I mean, the Son of God? What's that going to feel like? <laughs> What's he going to look like? I mean, there's so much that I don't understand. I have so many questions. What I really need to do is talk to Joseph about this. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Joseph? What am I going to say? Oh, God in heaven, what's he going to say? <laughs> Will he still want, want me? Am I to have this baby on my own? Alone? I, is anybody going to believe me? I mean, <laughs> that an angel appeared to me and that, that I'm still a virgin? God, will, will anybody believe me? What if Joseph, what if he turns me away? I mean, what if he turns me in because he believes I've been unfaithful to him? I mean, I could be stoned, stoned to death. 
No. <laughs> no. I will not die. You wouldn't have sent an angel to me <laughs> to give me the most wonderful news that, that I should be so highly favored that I would conceive your son only to have me die. I may have to do this on my own, by myself. But the God who took care of Moses and the Israelites in the desert, God, you're going to take care of me too. I will not put my faith in what those around me say. God, I'm going to put my trust in you. Even when I don't know what the future holds, <laughs> even though I don't fully understand what's happening, how this can happen, how this can even be real, that an angel appeared to me, he appeared to me. And God, I will not forget those things that I do know. That I will conceive a son, the son of God. And that I am to name him Jesus. Jesus. That he is going to be great. And he is going to rule over the descendants of Jacob forever. And that his kingdom will never end. Oh, oh Lord. I am your humble servant. I am confident that your angel's words to me will be fulfilled. I trust you. May I be so honored that you would choose me. God, I pray that I would not come in the way of your plans. I put my full faith in you, God. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for being here today. If you're joining us over at the Beacon, thanks for joining us today. And also, if you're watching online, thanks for watching today. So Mary, I'm going to start out by talking about Mary. Most scholars believe that she was just a teenager when the angel Gabriel came to visit her. I thought Lynette did a wonderful job of showing the excitement that she must have had with being visited by an angel, but then at the same time, the realization that she was going to be pregnant and unwed, which in that day and age meant a death sentence. And so Mary had to rely on her faith to carry her through. And Mary is a great example of someone who had an, an incredible amount of faith. Well, that's part of our Christmas message series. We're starting it today. It's called Faith, Hope, and Love. These three remain. 
And our key scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And then it goes on to describe love even more fully. But then it ends up with verse 13 and says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. These are three crucial elements of every one of us. And our existence here on planet Earth is that we all need faith, hope, and love. When we lost everything, we can still have faith, hope, and love. And let's be honest, 2020 has cost us all a lot this year, right? It's taken a lot from us. There are some of us who have lost our jobs. There are some of us who have lost loved ones to this virus. There are some of us who were sick ourselves and suffered for weeks on end. Our daughter, Rebecca, she lost her senior year of softball, which this was the year she was going to put it over the fence. And we were all excited about it. And it's just gone. It's gone. We might have lost vacations, anniversary trips, Recently, uh, Thanksgiving celebrations, we lost a few of those in our family. And I was just notified this past week that we're not going to have a Christmas celebration on one of our family sides. And 2020 has cost us a lot. But you know what 2020 can't take from us? 2020 can't take our faith. And 2020 can try really hard, but it can't take our hope. And 2020 can't take our love for one another and for God. Those can't be taken from us. But to be honest, we can give them away, right? We can give up hope. We can give up our faith. We can give up our love. But if we hang on to them, they cannot be taken from us. So during this Christmas season, these next three weeks, we're going to talk about each one of those topics. Because as we hang on to those, especially this year in 2020, they will carry us through. They will carry us through. So today we're talking about faith. Talking about faith. This was something that Mary had in abundance. So here's the definition of faith. Confidence or trust in a person or thing. Belief that is not based on proof. Belief in God or in the doctrines or teachings of religion and a system of religious belief. If you look at some of the common words there, it's confidence, trust, and belief. So simply put, faith is believing in something that you cannot see, cannot hear, touch, taste, or smell. It's believing in the unseen. Our Christian walk, our Christian faith is based on this. Now, whenever I think of the word faith, especially in scripture, I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as the faith chapter. And so if you guys want to turn there in your Bibles, that's where we'll be today. Hebrews chapter 11 It's near the end of the New Testament. And um, we'll also have the verses up on the screen if you don't have a Bible, but feel free to use your smartphone to pull it up. Now, Hebrews, we don't actually know who the author 
of Hebrews is. Many biblical scholars think it's Paul or one of his associates, but we do know that it was written to the Jewish people all around during that time. And we're going to actually be starting um, with chapter 10, the last two verses of chapter 10, and then we'll jump into chapter 11. We don't have time to read the whole chapter today, but that's kind of your your faith homework assignment this week is to read the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11. So starting with verse 38 of chapter 10, it says, And but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So at this point, he's saying, that my righteous one will live by faith. He's talking about faith, the author is, and then he goes right into chapter 11. Now, back then when he wrote this, this wasn't written by chapters. So the very next concept is he starts to define what faith is. So that's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, is a definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Then dropping down to verse 6, it says, And because anyone who comes, I'm sorry, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The author goes on to describe several uh, biblical characters who had an incredible amount of faith. He talks about Noah, he talks about Jonah, he talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Talks about Joseph and Moses. And then at the very end of the chapter, he talks about people who had suffered dearly for their faith and many who were killed for their faith. And he wraps it all up in verse 39. It says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So today's message is titled Faith, the Evidence of Things Unseen. I'm going to give us a, a couple of reasons why we should hang on dearly to our faith. In 2020, in 2021, and 2022, and beyond. Because this is something that cannot be taken from us. But we need to hang on to it dearly. So I'll give you a couple of reasons we should hold on to our faith. You can fill these in on your handout. But first, let me pray. So Lord, we thank you for Scripture. We thank you for the stories in Scripture that encourage us and give us, give us models of faith, of Moses and Isaac and Jacob and even Joseph and Mary, Father. We thank you for those examples. So Lord, I pray that today as we learn more from your scripture, I pray that you would deepen our faith, Lord. Help us to hang on to it. So give us ears to hear, Lord. Invite your Holy Spirit to minister to us, Lord, and speak through me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of points. First one, we should all hold on to our faith because it is our life preserver. It is our life preserver. Chapter 10, verse 38 says, And but my righteous one will live by faith. 
And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Those who have faith and are saved. Now, we all know what a life preserver is. If you're drowning, right, and somebody throws out one of these rings to you, you grab a hold of it and it saves your life. It preserves your life. Well, in the same way, if you're spiritually drowning or even in life, faith is something that we can reach up and grab a hold onto and it will save us. It will rescue us. Now, in, I just want to make one thing clear, though. Faith is different than religion. All right? We need to talk about that for a little bit. Because so many times, those two get confused. You know, we talk about people having religion. That's different than people having faith. Faith will save us. Religion will destroy us. Religion will destroy us. They're vastly different. Now, in Jesus' day, there were many, many religious. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they were the most religious of that time. And Jesus came against them time and time and time again. Now, the, uh, the Pharisees, let's talk about how religious they were. By the time they were 12 years old, I read this this past week, you had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They had it memorized by 12 years old if you're going to be a Pharisee. I can't even read Leviticus, let alone memorize, right? That whole book. Now from like 12 to 16, if they stayed in it, they would memorize most of the Old Testament. So they knew Scripture the Pharisees knew Scripture. They also knew the laws that were in the Old Testament. There were 613 laws. So they knew what they were. They practiced those laws. They exemplified them to a point. To a point. In Matthew 23, again, another chapter, if you want to read this week, um, Jesus tears into the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. He says in verse 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of, of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, you guys, we know how that is, right? How we can be given a set of rules, religious rules, and if we do those, we think that we're fine. But see, those rules are outside practices. They're different than what Jesus is looking at. He's looking at the heart. He says you should have not neglected justice and mercy and faithfulness. So the Pharisees, they would actually take their little herb garden and they would harvest these little leaves. I don't even know how you do, like, what is this? Mint, dill, and cumin. So you have these little mint leaves, right? And they would put them in a little pile, and they'd have them there, and then they would carve off 10% because they were following the law of giving 10% to the church. So they'd take that little 10%, and they'd take it in, and they'd probably make a big show. Here's my mint, you know? I mean, they followed the letter of the law, but their hearts were far, far from God. Jesus says this in verse 33. He says, you snakes, you brood of vipers. 
How will you escape being condemned to hell? Guys, the Pharisees were so much more religious than I am. I mean, when we grow green beans in our garden, we don't even think about giving 10% of that to the church. Never crossed our minds. Maybe we should. I don't know. And I have a few verses in the Bible memorized, but not whole books of the Bible. I mean, they were so much more religious than I could ever be. But the good news is that religion isn't what saves us. Ephesians 2 says it this way. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And that brings me hope. Because I'm never going to be righteous enough, right? We are never going to be righteous enough. Our righteous acts aren't going to save us. We can never post enough Bible verses on Facebook to save us, right? It's by faith. It's by faith. So religion says that I can be good enough to get into heaven. Faith says I can never be good enough to get into heaven. Religion says I can create my own righteousness. And faith says I can only rely on God's righteousness in me. Religion says my outside appearance matters the most. What I do. Faith says the condition of my heart matters the most. And religion says that what saves me is what I do. Where faith says what saves me is what I believe. What I believe. So you can fill this in. God doesn't want us to be more religious. He wants us to be more in relationship. Faith is about having a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to do more religious acts so that we can earn our way to heaven. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to hear if you're having a bad day. Talk to him about it. He wants you to thank him when you're having a good day. And guys, not just when we're all here together at church. This isn't the only time that we should be singing songs of praise. This isn't the only time we should be praying or talking to God. He wants to be in relationship with us 24-7. And I would even say that the times alone with just you and him may be even more precious than this corporate times of worship. That intimate time that you have with him. He wants that. He wants that relationship. So this Christmas season, when we're all distracted, I know I am with buying presents and you know, going to Christmas parties and trying to figure out if we're going to have family get-togethers, all those things. Man, let's not be distracted by the occasion and forget the reason for the occasion. I mean, how sad would that be to have Jesus up in heaven going, hey, you haven't talked to me all month. <laughs> you're, you're too busy celebrating my birthday, but we were, we were together this summer. I mean, when that coronavirus thing first hit, you and I talked every day. But I haven't heard from you in a while. 
Let's not forget that he wants to be in relationship with us each and every day. Not as a religious act either. Hmm. All right, so that's the first point. We should all hold on to our faith because it is our, it is our life preserver. Here's the second one. It's kind of simple, but it's so true. We should all hold on to our faith because it makes God happy. It just makes him happy. 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. Right? It makes sense. I mean, how can you please God if you don't believe that he exists? So if you're going to come to him, you have to first settle in your heart, God, you really do exist. You really do hear me. Now, I do believe that the, the inverse of this is true. With faith, we please God. So when we have faith, it makes God happy. And faith is believing that he exists and believing what he says. Believing what he says. If we don't believe what he says, man, that's got to be frustrating for God. I just think of the, really, the billions of people on this planet who don't believe that God exists or believe what he says. I don't know about you, but if I'm telling somebody a story, you know, like I caught a fish this big, and they're like, right, I don't believe you. You know, that's frustrating. It's like the human condition. We all want to be believed. God, our Father, wants us to believe him. Believe what he says. There are three fundamental beliefs that God says about himself, about his son, and about his scripture that I think we need to grab a hold of. These are three fundamental beliefs that are being attacked by this world. The enemy does not want us to believe this. The enemy has put all kinds of doubt into these three beliefs, but we got to hang on to these. we got to grab a hold of these, and we have to settle them in our heart. The first one is that God is the one and only creator of the universe. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I don't understand how this universe was created. Big Bang, oscillating theory, I, I don't know how it all happened. I don't understand it. But the scripture says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. It's by faith that we understand it because we can't understand it any other way. Now, there are a lot of people out there with lots of letters after their names, doctorates, PhDs, whatever. They would tell you, no, no, God didn't create it. But they're wrong. <laughs> Let me just say it. They're wrong. Believing Having faith is believing that God created it all. First, uh, John 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And I love that. Through him all things were made. Nothing was made that has been made without him. It's just trusting and believing. God, and just, I don't understand I don't know how long it took. I don't understand how this happens. I don't understand how the earth is in the perfect location as it relates to the sun. 
to sustain life. I don't understand how that happened. I don't understand how the moon is in the perfect distance away from the earth so that it causes the tides to clean the oceans and sustain life. How did that all happen? I don't know. But by faith, I understand it. God, you did it. God created the heavens and the earth exactly the way they are today. By faith. By faith. A second fundamental belief is Jesus is God's one and only Son. John 3.16, many of us know that scripture, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. Now, most history books will acknowledge that Jesus exists, that he existed. Most religions actually will acknowledge that Jesus was a holy man or a prophet. But just acknowledging that Jesus lived on earth or that he was a holy man or a prophet isn't enough. Faith accepts the fact that Jesus was God's one and only son and that he was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, laid in a manger by a Virgin Mary. It's believing the whole thing, that he rose up, that he never committed a sin, and he willingly laid his life down on the cross as payment for my sin and yours. And then on the third day, he rose again. And he is in heaven with God the Father today. And he will return. <laughs> that's, that's faith. That's faith. Believing that Jesus is who he said he is. And the third fundamental belief is that Scripture is the infallible Word of God. Infallible means without fault, incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. Faith is believing that this book contains the very words of God and that it's not wrong. There aren't any mistakes in it. Second Timothy, this is Scripture talking about itself. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed, meaning that God spoke the Word. All Scripture. Second Peter says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So again, believing that the prophetic words all throughout Scripture were not man's words, they were the very words of God. And then 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. All scripture is from God. Now, this, is, this has really been, I'll be honest with you, this has been a stumbling point for many people I know. And their basic argument is, okay, so this was written by people, and people are fallible, so how is this book infallible? And I understand that. 
And my response is it's infallible because God can draw an awfully straight line with an awfully crooked stick, right? God inspired the very words that were recorded in Scripture in their original context, in their original language, and they are perfect. They are the words of God. So I choose to believe what's in this book. I don't, I don't take them as just Aesop's fables and stories that would help me to have a more moral life. I take them as actual events, the actual words of God. I really believe that there was a man named Jonah that got swallowed up by a big fish and lived to tell the tale. Yeah, I believe. I believe that there was a man named Noah who built a really big boat and the world was flooded and animals actually came onto the boat. I believe that. I don't understand it. Even if you go down and see Ark Encounter, it still doesn't make a lot of sense, right? But I believe it happened. I believe there was a man named Daniel who was thrown into a lion's den and he didn't get eaten. These aren't just stories. This is part of the history of God's people. It's the truth. It's the truth. And I love the way that the Vineyard USA organization says this. Now, we're part of the Vineyard Association of Churches. There's about five or 600 of them in the United States and about 2,000 worldwide. And on their statement of faith, they say the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that the Holy Spirit <clears throat> inspired the human authors of Holy Scripture so that the Bible is without error in the original manuscripts. We received the 66 books of the Old and New Testament as our final absolute authority, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. I like the way that's stated. And the reality, guys, is if you don't take this as the very word of God, then what do you, what do you stand on? Your own opinion? Others' opinion? And I would much rather take my faith that this is the foundation of our faith. That this is the Word of God. So I want to put those three back up there again. And let's just, let's just state these together. All right, let's just do that. So say it with me. God is the one and only creator of the universe. Jesus is God's one and only Son. And Scripture is the infallible Word of God. Now, can I prove any of those to you? <clears throat> no, I can't. I can't prove any of those three statements to you. But if I could, it wouldn't take faith. Right? It's by faith that we choose to believe that God is the creator, that Jesus is his son, and this is his word and directions for my life. That's what faith is. And trust me, the world is fighting against it. The world does not want us to believe that God is the creator. The world does not want us to believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And the world wants us to think that this is just some religious book that you can pick up on Amazon along with six million other religious books. It's by faith that we believe differently. 
And it's by faith that we understand. So this Christmas season, as we finish up 2020, man, hang on to your faith. Don't let the world, don't let your circumstances, don't let people pull it out of your grip. It is the one thing that will sustain you. It is the one thing that will carry you. And trust me, as we have faith, and as we stand in faith, our Heavenly Father is smiling down on us. I truly believe that. So I'm going to turn the ministry time over to Tony and the Beacon now, and I'm going to invite Rose to come on up here and lead us in a time of prayer. Something that I feel like <laughs> the question that keeps coming to my mind is do we believe God no matter what? There is so much going on in this world, there's so much going on in our lives that could make us question. But my question for you this morning is. Do you believe God no matter what is going on in your life or around the world? Do you believe Him without any doubt? I think we all go through some point in our lives when something happens and we're like, (laughs) we teeter a little bit, you know? I've been there. So my question is, do you really believe him? 110%. Do you really believe him? Why don't you stand with me? For the past few years, I've been asking the Lord for more faith. And He's given me more faith. So this morning, if you want more faith, I would like to pray with you. So if that's you, just come to the front. And I'd like to pray with you for more faith. To just believe him all the time. (laughs) And that we would not teeter on our faith. Anyone else? You just want more faith. Okay, so I'm going to close in prayer, and then I will pray with these ladies. Clint has something. Just before we close, um, last service, and even today, we've had three, four, five ladies come forward. 
but my guys have not. <sighs> I'm not going to call them chickens. Um, but here's the deal, guys. God wants us to lead in this area of faith. He wants us to lead in it. But we may not feel worthy of it. But I just want to encourage you, if God is speaking to your heart, step out. Thank you. Guys, we need to grow in our faith. (laughs) Don't let the women just lead instead of us. Let's be there. Let's be alongside of our women. All right? Any other guys where you know, man, you just need to come up. Anyone else? I'm just going to wait a moment. Because if you know you need to grow in your faith, this is is a day to come forward. (laughs) Amen. Anyone else? All right, I'll let you. All right, we're going to close in prayer and then I'll pray for these people. God, I thank you that you are trustworthy. I thank you that you are believable. (laughs) God, I pray that every person in this room would have an increase in faith. God, I pray that we would not um, sway in, in our faith. That we would not sway in our relationship with you. Because you are the truth. It's who you are. God, would you remind us to ask for more faith, that we would believe you more and more each day, that we would trust you more and more each day. It's about trusting you, Lord. So, Lord, teach us how to do that. God, I thank you for being here this morning. I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So we also have a prayer team up here that is willing to pray with you for any needs that you have in your life. Have a good week. it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family and we will see you next time.